So once again, we were talking about last week, talking about childlike wonder. And the Bible, the scripture actually says that you can actually not even inherit the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you approach in childlike wonder. And so we talked about what that looks like. So uh, some of the attributes or some of the ways children act is one is they're teachable. Um, they're pliable that you can, uh, you, they're, they're willing to learn uh, from, some, from people. And in order to approach the kingdom, we have to approach it in a teachable way. We have to understand that we don't maybe understand everything there is to know about the Bible. We have to understand that maybe even some of the things we thought we knew, we didn't fully understand. And so we have to become, approach the kingdom in a teachable way, in a way of, re, of humbling ourselves and, and, and approaching the throne in a teachable way and being willing to learn and being willing to admit that we don't understand everything. So that's one thing that uh, how we approach in childlikeness. And the other one, the, the big one we talked about last week was we have to approach in, um, in uh, a manner that is uninfluenced by the opinion of man. That if you've ever been around a kid, they're going to act the way they want to act regardless of what you think, right? They're going to uh, uh, act the way they want to. And, uh, and so uh, one way that we approach the kingdom in childlike wonder is that we lose our opinions or the influence of the opinion of man. Amen? So these are, these are two things, main things that we talked about last week, approaching in childlike wonder. Uh, what I want to talk about a little bit with you this morning is the other end of that spectrum. So at the end of the service, we talked about how Paul says that tells us to put away childish behavior, but how Jesus says to come childlike. So there's this paradigm here of what seems to contradict each other, but, if you, but, but what you have to understand about the Bible is when it looks like there's a contradiction, what it really is is an invitation for further revelation. And so what looks like a contradiction here with Paul telling us to put away childish things and Jesus telling us to be childlike is actually a, an opportunity to gain revelation uh, from the kingdom. Amen? So, um, so and, and we're going to dig deeper into that as we go on through this, especially there at the end. But the answer to the question, so the question then is, do we become childlike or do we put away childish things? And the answer is yes. <laughs> The answer to almost every, or I shouldn't say almost, the answer to every theological question is yes and no. So the answer to this question is yes, it's both. You put away childish things and you come childlike. And so we're going to look at how do you do that. Um, what I want to talk to you mostly about this morning is putting away childish things. Putting away childish things. We're going to start here in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. I'm going to read this entire morning out of the Passion Translation. Uh, so if you don't have that, then just go ahead and look up here at the screen and, uh, and follow along here with me. So we're going to go again to Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 6. It says, You have all become true children of God by faith in Jesus, the Anointed One. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the Anointed One. And now you are covered and clothed. Listen to this. You are covered and clothed in His anointing. That's not what I'm preaching on this morning, but that's good news, isn't it? That we don't walk in our own anointing. We walk in His anointing. Amen? And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew, not, 
or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. And since you've been united to Jesus the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit the promise, the promises of the kingdom realm. I'm going to go ahead and go into chapter 4, verse 1. In a similar way, so, so it says there at the end of, of chapter 3 that we inherit the promises of the kingdom realm. Amen? In a similar way, God has promised our ancestors something better, but as long as an heir is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant, although he's master over all of them. So remember that, that verse there. We're going to come back to that here a little bit later. That's super important to, for today's message. That though an heir is a minor, he's not really much different than a servant, although he's master over all of them. For until the appointed time by the father, when he comes of age, the child is under the domestic supervision of the guardians of the estate. So it is with us. When we were juveniles, we were enslaved under the hostile spirits of the world. When that era came to an end and the time of fulfillment had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the written law. Yet all of this was so that we would be redeemed or so that he would redeem and set free all those held hostage to the written law so that we would receive our freedom and full legal adoptions as his children. That we are legally and fully adopted as his children. We're not figuratively his kids. We're actually his kids. Amen? And so that we would know for the sure that we are his true children, God released, listen to this, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts, moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you are our true father. That for God to further drive home the revelation of sonship, he releases the spirit into us that we would know that we are sons and daughters of God. Amen. Now we are no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And here's where I've been reading to or trying to get to through all of this. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has. For we are heirs of God through Jesus, the Messiah. That everything the father has we have complete access because we are his sons and daughters. You know, when I go into my mom and dad's house and I walk into the kitchen, I can have whatever I want in the cabinet because I'm a son, right? If you were to walk into my mom and dad's house and go to the kitchen, Oh, what's going to happen? It may not look good, you know, <laughs> you know, because you don't have legal access as a son or daughter to walk into their house and take whatever you want. But because I'm a son, I can walk into mom and dad's house whenever I want to and grab whatever I want or whatever I need or borrow any tool from the garage and never take it back because I am a son of my mom and my dad. You are sons and daughters of God and everything the father has you have full access to as heirs of the Father. That you are an heir of the Father. But let me ask you this. How far are we living underneath that privilege? We have access to everything God has. 
how much of that are we actually accessing? How much of that, how much of that privilege are we actually taking advantage of? We have access to all of it. Now, if you remember, here's where we're going to talk about growing up and putting away childish things. Remember what I, at the very beginning of chapter 4, what it says, that, that though the heir or though the minor has access and he has the inheritance, the fullness of the inheritance, he's not able to fully access it until when? Till he becomes mature. That, and many of you have probably seen these situations before where maybe a mother and a father pass away and there's an inheritance left to the son, but the son isn't 18 years old yet. So he has to sit in a bank account until the son becomes of age to access the fullness of the inheritance. The inheritance is fully his. It's nobody else's. Nobody can touch it but him. But he's not allowed to fully access it until he becomes mature. And my question is, is if we are not accessing everything the Father has for us, is it because we have not done enough growing up yet? Is it because we have not become fully mature yet and that there's things in the kingdom that we have not been able to access because we have not been willing to put away childish things? Because we have not been willing to grow up. It says this, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, Chad, but... Uh, in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, um, it says that, actually, if you could just find that for me, I'm going to paraphrase it, but I want to be able to read it from the scripture here. It says, thank you. It says, a wise person demonstrates patience, for mercy means holding your tongue. Is this even the right verse? This is not the right verse, so never mind. It's in Proverbs, but I must not have it up there. But it, but it says in Proverbs, it says that an inheritance gained early can actually bring destruction to the heir. To the, to the person that is receiving the inheritance, that if they gain it too soon, then it can actually be their destruction rather than their profit, rather than to gain. And, and so, again, the analogy, if you give a 16-year-old a million dollars as an inheritance, how many of you know that that's probably going to reap more destruction than it is going to reap more, uh, more uh, um, profit? for that person or bring that person into uh, a, a better state. I know Danny's shaking her head at me. She thinks she can handle the million dollars. So um, so I don't know if Dan and Steph have a million dollars. You can try that out if you want to. So how much of this are we not accessing because we are unwilling to grow up or because we have yet to fully mature and to put away childish things? Amen? How much are we not inheriting? Hebrews 5, chapter 11. Hebrews 5, chapter 11. This, again, is going, talking about maturing. We have much to say about this topic, although it is difficult to explain because you have become too dull and sluggish to understand. How many of you know how encouraging Paul can be in his writings? You're too dull and sluggish to understand what I'm going to say to you. Basically, you're too stupid for me to give you deeper revelation. He's, he uh, he uh, is just full of grace. Amen? All right, Hebrews 5.12, it says, For you should already be professors instructing others by now, but instead you need to be taught from the beginning the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You are like children still needing milk and not yet ready to digest solid food. Next verse. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not, listen to this, is not pierced by the revelation of, of righteousness. 
For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. One of the ways you can you have not put away childish things is you have not yet gained the revelation that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That the most basic message of the cross, the milk in the kingdom, is that you are a son and a daughter of God. That you are no longer a slave to sin, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But how many times, I don't know how many times I've heard this in the church, in, in, in different places, is, is we still identify ourselves as sinners. We still identify ourselves as 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 people who sin on a daily basis. Let me read this to you. It says, one way you can tell if you still need, are still needing milk is that you have not got the revelation that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you still believe that you are just a humble sinner hanging on by a single thread of Jesus' garment, then you are still an infant in the kingdom. You are a son and a daughter of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has made you holy and without blemish and without a single spot or wrinkle. And to believe anything less than this is dishonoring to the cross of Jesus Christ. It is belittling to the cross to still call yourself, identify yourself as a sinner. You are no longer a sinner. When you come into the revelation of Jesus Christ and when you accept him as your Savior, you no longer are identified as a sinner. The Bible calls you the righteousness of God in Christ. Holy and perfect. And when the God sees you, he sees you as he sees his son, Jesus. That is who we are. And if we are still fighting that revelation of being the righteousness of God in Christ, then the Bible says here that we are still infants needing the milk, having meat of the meat of the kingdom, that we are still infants needing, living off of milk. So we got to gain access to revelation. And, and, and again, obviously, obviously people still mess up even when you come into the kingdom. I'm not, not saying that, that, you don't ever, if you, that you don't ever struggle with sin. It's that your identity is no longer that because it's been wiped away by the blood of Jesus. Amen? That Jesus sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk a little more about sin here in the, in the upcoming verses, but, but that's one way you can tell if you are, have not put away childish things that you're still an infant. If you have not or if you still have not received the revelation of righteousness. Go on to the next verse there. Chapter 14. It says, But solid food is for the mature, whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. Once again, if we're still worried and focused on being sinners trying to get out of sin, then how on earth are we going to perceive heavenly matters? If we're still struggling with sin, but it says our spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And it says, and they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. So putting away childish things, part of that is receiving that revelation of righteousness and living in that identity. Amen? Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. This is still talking about maturity, it says, now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into, per into perfection. You know, I, I'm so 
grateful for the cross, and I will come back to it over and over and over and over and over again because it is the uh, foundation of the gospel. Amen? It is the good news. But there's a time when that basic message, then you, where you have to advance past just that basic ma- message, that there is more to the kingdom, that, that the cross was not the finality of the kingdom, but it was the beginning of the kingdom. It was the foundation, and it's time that we advance into perfection. And it says, the foundation has already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead works to embrace the faith in God. Teaching about different baptisms, impartations by laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And another translation, okay, go ahead, go ahead and we'll read that one. So with God's enablement, we will move on to the deeper truths. In other translations, it says that those, those things that were listed, go back to the next ver- last verse there, that these things that are listed here, another translation says that these are the elementary principles of the gospel. Like these are the basic things, teaching about different baptisms, impartation by laying on of hands, and then this one blows my mind that this is in this list, resurrection from the dead. This is a basic teaching of the gospel. This is foundational stuff is what Paul is telling us. I say Paul, Hebrews, people don't necessarily know it was Paul that wrote it, but it was Paul that wrote it. So <laughs> you can do your own study. Bob, I don't know, do you think it's Paul that wrote Hebrews too? Yeah, yeah. he's not going to say, that's all right. It was, but it's all right. <laughs> A basic principle is the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And, and what I wanted to just declare in this here is, is I'm not, I don't want to come across offensive in this message saying that y'all need to grow up. Listen, I haven't mastered resurrection the dead yet. All right? Uh, maybe I can work something out with, with Corey and go practice every now and then or something. But I haven't, I haven't quite ma- mastered resurrection from the dead yet. What, I, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make here is, is that, that if that is the basics of the kingdom, that how much more is there that we are not tapping into? If, this is, if resurrection of the dead is the basics, it's the ground line, then how many more things are we of that, that is guaranteed to us in our inheritance are we not accessing because we are not able to mature and to grow up? Amen? Amen. So, I don't know, maybe there's someone in here that have mastered resurrection from the dead. If that's the case, then I'm going to hand you the microphone and sit down for a little bit. But these are the basic things. So how, here, here's the question. How do we access the inheritance then? If Galatians 4-7 says that, that, we, that everything that God has we have access to, how do we access the inheritance? The answer is we have to grow up and we have to become mature. Paul says, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, I put away childish things. It says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I did all these things as a child, but when I became a man, when I became an adult, I put away childish things. Though a minor has left the inheritance, the inherit. okay, I've already said that, I'm going to skip that. What part of our inheritance are we not accessing because we're unwilling to mature? All right, let's, let's jump into this. Um, I'm going to share with you a, just a short list here. Um, I, I didn't know whether or not to do a list of, of, of mature ways to act or a list of being immature, so I just kind of did both. So follow me in here in this. this is, here are some signs 
that we have either matured or that we are still operating in immaturity. First sign, and this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just the list I came up with, all right? So there's, there's obviously probably more things you can add to this list. Um, but here, here the, here's, here's this list. One sign of immaturity is a lifestyle of consistent sin. A lifestyle of consistent sin. Hebrews 3, we're going to look in verse 16. And we've got a little bit of scripture here to read, so just keep along with me here. It says, The same people who were delivered from the bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. So they knew the message of salvation. They knew the message of deliverance. They knew the promise, yet they still rebelled. It says they grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they what? Until they dropped dead in the desert. Go ahead. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest all because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into, this, into their inheritance because they were wrapped, because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Let, let's just stop there. I, I, I may just read that right there and leave it there. Um, so they heard the message and they still rebelled. You, they knew what was right and wrong, yet they still followed their appetite for sin. They doubted God's promise, and they doubted his faithfulness, and they made, they, they made false gods to worship. And all of the Israelites that left Egypt, all of the Israelites that left Egypt except for two, never inherited the promise that was given to them. Why? Because of their, their constant appetite for sin, that they constantly listened to sin's beckoning call and they, they, they repeatedly and, and, and unhesitantly fell back into sin over and over again. So one sign of immaturity is that you, have, uh, you lead a lifestyle of consistent sin. Now, I'm not saying, once again, if you ever sin that you're immature. Because, again, we've all, we've all been there. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. What I'm saying is, is that you constantly follow that appetite of sin that you know that you're immature if you constantly follow appetite sin and you don't enter into this place of holiness that God has called us all to. Amen? So that's one sign of immaturity. Again, of all the Israelites who left Egypt, only two inherited the promise. They, there was believed to be millions of people. Some scholars believe there was millions of Israelites that left Egypt. Two of them inherited the promise, Joshua and Caleb. Two of them inherited the promised land. And the, and the Bible says here the reason is is because they could not get past their appetite for sin. So that's one area of immaturity. Another sign of immaturity is walking in offense. Of walking in offense. This is Proverbs 19, the one I had you pull up earlier, Chad. So I'm skipping a whole bunch of verses here for time's sake and jump right there to 19. It says, A wise person demonstrates patience. For mercy means holding your tongue. When you are insulted, be quick to forgive and forget it. For you are virtuous when you overlook an offense. You are virtuous when you overlook an offense. We all know those people who go from church to church to church to church. And in every church, 
they somehow stumble across the big problem in the church, right? They identify that the 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 uh, the problem in the church, or, or something's wrong with the pastor, or something's wrong with this part of the ministry, or something's wrong. See what happens? What's the problem is is not the church that they're attending. Every church obviously has their flaws, but the problem is not the church. The problem is the virus that's inside of them called offense. That they will every church they go to, they may be happy for a while, but eventually that virus in them called offense will rise up. And until they fight or they figure out how to stop that virus, they will constantly be looking for a new place because every place is never going to meet their standards. And it's this issue of offense. And those people that jump from place to place to place, they are, they are living in childishness. They are living in a place of childishness because they cannot get over some, some offense or something, even if, they're at, even if they're right in it, even if there is something wrong that the Bible says here to be quick to forgive and to forget. And those people who live in offense can never move into forgiveness, and therefore they remain in immaturity. And when you remain in immaturity, then you will never be able to access the fullness of your inheritance. Amen? So one of, your, one of, one of the other things, another sign of immaturity is that you walk in offense. Amen? Many of those people take an offense that was never even meant to be given. Right? So, so there's people that are walking in offense towards someone, and the person that offended them has no clue that they even did it. And that, that's what it looks like to be immature, is that you walk in offense. You're not able to move into forgiveness and move past those things. Another sign of immaturity, I'm going to move through these fairly quickly here. Another sign of immaturity is, is disunity. Uh, is causing disunity. Someone who causes disunity by stirring the pot or pushing their own agenda above the health of the whole body. So another sign of disunity or another sign of immaturity is disunity. It's, it's similar to the offense thing. Which uh, So then on the other hand would be a sign of maturity would be unity. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, there's another long passage of scripture here, um, but I think I'm going to go ahead and read it here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says this. It says, And he, was appointed, he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own work of ministry. And as they do, as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministers will function until, they, until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to, know the, to be known as the Son of God, or to, I'm sorry, the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into, perfect, into a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. And then our maturity our immaturity will end. So that unity actually brings uh, or ends immaturity. That when we begin to function as a body in unity, that, there's, that actually brings us into maturity. So when I don't have to do everything, but I can rely on somebody else who is maybe more gifted or anointed in that area, and my ego doesn't make me say, I have to be the one to do it. 
when I can rely on the another part of the body and in unity we come together, that brings about maturity and to brings about the fullness of the body of Christ. Does that make sense? So a sign of maturity is walking in unit in unity. Amen. Whew, my voice is getting tired, so I'm gonna need some help. Amen. All right, a couple more, and then I'll be done. Another sign, this one is super, super important. I believe it's one of the answers for maturing ourselves. Another sign of immaturity is living on the roller coaster of devotion. Living on the roller coaster ride of devotion. When you walk in maturity, devotion is not controlled by your emotions. Emotions aren't a bad thing. I believe emotions can be very good, but your devotional life should not be controlled by how you feel. That there are days that you may not feel like spending time with the Lord, but a mature person knows that sometimes our emotions are not who we are and that we can move past our emotions and in maturity pursue God on a consistent basis that our devotional life is not up and down it's not only when we feel passionate and 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 then it's weak when we feel passionate when our devotional life is mature it's when it's smooth and when it's consistent and it's 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 um that that's the word i want to use when it's consistent that's when we move into maturity amen uh there's a there's a song uh that that's sung in, in in south carolina and with a group that we know down there and it, it's, it so struck me that I, I put it, I had it engraved on my $80 wallet, which I know is a lot for a wallet, but it's cooler than your wallet, so whatever. <laughs> but it's engraved in the leather, and, and the term that, the, that he uses in the song is he says, I got a slow burn, a slow burn. I plan on being around a little further down the road many, many years from now. That's what maturity looks like. Not not this huge, quick flame of passion. It's when you can consistently burn, be in the place of burning for Jesus. That's when you move in consistency. That's when you become mature. When you've got a slow burn, a burn that's going to be around for years and years and years. And when you walk in on Sunday morning, you're burning. When you go home on Monday and, or go to work on Monday, you have the same level of burning that you did on Sunday morning when you're consistent, when, when we don't have to worry or wonder where you're at today, when you're consistent in your devotion, that's when you reach maturity. And I believe, honestly, I believe that consistency and devotion is one of the main keys in accessing our inheritance. That when we are consistent in our devotion, I believe that the inheritance opens wide for us. Amen? So, a sign of maturity is having that slow burn, that slow burn in devotion, that your devotional life is not controlled by your emotions or the way you feel. Amen? My last one, my final one here, another sign of maturity is being childlike. So here it is. How do we put away childish things? We become childlike. Here's Here's the seeming paradox. And, and I, this, I actually shared this last week, but I'm going to share it again. The most mature person in the room is not the smartest, the most dignified, the most eloquent, or even the oldest person in the room. 
Some of you old people, no, I'm just kidding. I don't want to get beat up, so I'm not going to say it. The most mature person is not that. The most mature person in the room is the one that knows how to properly respond to the goodness and the wonder of the Father without the influence of the opinions of man. The most mature person is the one who knows how to respond to the goodness and wonder of the Father without the influence of the opinion of man. How do we become mature? We become childlike. We approach God as, a ch- as in childlike wonder. Amen? I wrote this down as well. The most mature person in the room isn't the one who knows all the theology, isn't the one who knows all, all of, uh, I'm sorry, isn't the one who knows all the theology. Uh, okay, I, I didn't write this right in here, so let me say this again. The most mature person in the room isn't the one who knows all the theology. The most mature person in the room is the one who does know all the theology, but doesn't need you to know he does. That they may know a lot of things, but they don't need your approval in the fact that they know all of those things. That they are content with one's approval. And that's the approval of of God, right? Of the approval of Jesus. That though he knows a lot, the most important thing he knows is that there is more to learn. And that, that as long as he continues looking to God in childlike wonder, he will always discover more. It's back to that thing of being teachable. That though you may know a lot, coming to God in childlike wonder is realizing that though you may know a lot, there's always more to discover. Once again, if the basics of Christianity is raising the dead, we've got a lot to learn. Amen? Amen. So what do you say? We put away childish things, and then we approach the kingdom of childlike wonder. Amen? And I believe in that we'll begin to access our full inheritance as sons and daughters of God. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Jesus, Oh, thank you, Jesus, so much for, for everything you've done for us, Lord. God, I just pray right now that you would just begin uh, revealing in our hearts those childish things, Jesus, those things where we're inconsistent. Maybe it's in our devotion. Maybe it's in our attitudes. Maybe it's in offense. Maybe whatever it looks like. Maybe, maybe we're not in unity. God, whatever it is, Father, God, I pray you'd begin revealing to us the things that are keeping us out of our inheritance, Lord, the, the childish things that are keeping us out of our, the inheritance that is rightfully ours, that has been promised to us of, from the Father. God, let us grow up out of those things and put away childish things and become men and women of God, mature in our faith, consistent in our devotion, uh, uh, that, that understand who we are as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and approach you as sons and daughters, inheriting and, and, and having full access to all the Father has. Grow us up, Lord. Lord, my prayer this morning is simply that, that you would grow us up that we would become mature in our faith. We love you so much, Lord. We give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.